Hey everybody, it's Scott here. Before we get started today for our regular episode, um, I just want to take a minute and uh, say all of our thoughts and prayers are with uh, the citizens of Christchurch, New Zealand after the awful incident that happened uh, yesterday. Um, if you are curious about what you can do to show your support for the Muslim community here locally, uh, make sure you check out CARE Oklahoma, C-A-I-R, um, and they will put you in touch with people that you can talk to or help but it's still counting down. Yes, it is. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, uh, and I am joined in uh, Studio 430 by uh, Scott Nelson at the news desk. What's up, man? Hello, Scott. How are you, sir? You know, I'm, the weather's improved, and so I think my mood has improved with it. Today is a dramatic improvement in the weather, I yes. will say. We're also joined in studio by Trace Savage from Nondoc. Hello, sir. Hi, I'm cold, actually. I don't know what yeah, you guys you are talking about. you said that earlier. It was a little cold outside. For those of you who may be watching this at home, uh, you'll notice that this is the plaid cast. <laughs> All three of us are wearing plaid shirts today. That's how we roll. I told Trace he could wear his cowboy hat, uh, and I he didn't, which is probably good because I had said that in anticipation that I might have mine with me. We could have a... Do you have a, do you have also, a cowboy how do you wear hat? cowboy hats with with headphones? These are the know. challenges that we accept. I do, I do have a cowboy hat. I am wearing plaid. I got called a hipster this week, which uh, you did. Yeah, I don't feel like you're is, a uh, coastal elite that just happens to live in Oklahoma. Okay, you keep saying <laughs> coastal elite, and I don't think that's true. Well, okay. I think you can pull it off. I don't know. I didn't bring a cowboy hat, but I did bring a cigar, um, and so I'm. I'm holding that. I'm not. It's not lit. I'm just chewing on it here because uh, people tell me it's offensive. So, to smoke it or to chew on it, just to be seen with it. And since this is videoed as well, um, this is what I get for telling you in advance. Yeah, so. exactly. So, why is it offensive to be seen with a cigar? I, I don't understand the reasoning. I don't know. It's bad, it's bad for your health. This was always my dad's viewpoint. Actually, is that he liked to be if he had to be photographed for some magazine or something like that. He always wanted to have a cigar in his hand because he thought it was. You know, people would find it offensive. Interesting. Yeah, it is. It's very Kinky Friedman of you. Yeah, there you go. That's a deep cut. Do you know who Kinky Friedman is, Scott? Yeah, I do. I I know the name. Why? Why do I? Well, he uh, he's a musician from Texas. He ran for governor. That's probably why. fifteen. Keep Austin years. weird. That's why not. Yeah, yeah. It was about the time I was in college. Yeah, in Texas yeah. actually. So his uh, slogan was "Vote Kinky." Why the hell not? <laughs> Um, so, all right. Well, in this episode, that, yeah, that takes us right to politics. That's right. Yeah, it? there you go. Well, it was a good segue. He you was know, a, it's funny. Somewhat a politician. Can we cheers? This? I mean, it's not really. It's not really funny. Uh, the uh, first, get it, get it close to the microphone. Oh, there we go. Got right, it right in my face. It's like you guys don't the f- know we're recording. It's the f- the first uh, the first campaign I ever volunteered for was a Texas gubernatorial race. Really? Who was it? Ann Richards, Tony Sanchez. Tony Sanchez. All right, what year was that? Uh, this would have been in the uh, this would have been in the fall <laughs> of two thousand and two. Interesting. I met uh, I met G W Bush when he was governor down there at a True Love Waits convention on the on the grounds of the state capitol. Of is course, this scotch? You of course, you did. it is not scotch. It's like is a it millet. I mean, it's Japanese. Like it's is the it, Japanese what's the grain? Is of. it millet? We don't know. I, we just looked. Know. Oh man. I'd, Are you like not a fan? Do you have an allergy? No, I drank millet one night and I woke up the next day and uh, I felt like a part of me had died inside. <laughs> you, if you tell me you can't have gluten, I'm going to cut you. <laughs> I, I can have gluten. I eat a lot of gluten. 
I just ate some gluten. Just raw gluten. I went to Ingrid's. I had Ooh, a meatloaf sandwich. That is a lot of gluten. That's also I haven't been to Ingrid's in a long time. I need yeah. to go. Sloppy Joe, sloppy, sloppy <laughs> Joe. <laughs> so uh, in this episode, uh, we're going to just chat about what happened this week in the OK Legislature for about ten minutes, and then we're going to phone uh, Mr. Joe Height on the phone. Joe is the president of uh, Freedom of Information Oklahoma, which is the nonprofit that um, kind of promotes and advocates for transparency in government. Um, many of our listeners know I'm also the executive director over there. So again, this week, this is a sunshine week. We kind of referenced it last week, but we're going to talk more about it. And that's also part of why we have a journalist here with us in studio. I'm glad you didn't tell me that I'm supposed to talk about that, but it sounds good. I'll give it my best. That's right. Well, and we just, it also make gives it us credibility. Or something. <laughs> or the real, the, cig- the cigar lends the credibility. <laughs> yeah, you see, I got a cigar. So, uh, Trace, before we started recording, uh, there's gr- nothing. There's Groucho. nothing like. <laughs> there's nothing like this. No, I'm trying to do WC Fields. Oh, there's yes. nothing like the sound of little feet in the house. I love a midget butler. Oh. <laughs> is that is that allowed? Is that there goes our credibility? Oh right man! There. All right, there you go. <laughs> it's a pure WC Fields joke. It is. Um, on another note, before we started recording, Trace, <laughs> you were telling me about the bill that you feel is the most interesting one that's been maybe heard so far, and I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, I, okay. Um, it, I don't know that it passed this week. I, the days are all running together. Um, but uh, it did make it out of the House. It's House Bill 1404. Um, it's a uh, bill that has support from the Speaker of the House. It's, it would institute a new county option for a tax on the production of aggregates and aggregates for those of you who are not uh, in the construction industries include sand gravel other rock things mm-hmm. like that dirt dirt there you go and so um often used for the making of cement there you go it t- and so in the process of i wrote a story about this uh, a few weeks ago and in the process i learned that roughly speaking uh to make one cubic yard of uh concrete it takes about one ton of gravel, rock, and it takes 0.7 tons of sand for one cubic yard of concrete. Right. And so there are about 75 to 100 tons, I mean, sorry, cubic yards of concrete in the construction of a new house. And so there's some concern that um, if counties, if this bill passes, counties would have the opportunity to vote um, to institute this tax. Now, here in Oklahoma County, I don't believe there's any real major production of aggregate. Um, in cer- certain counties, Johnston County, uh, down in Tishomingo, uh, other county, Murray County, other counties in southern Oklahoma, there's an enormous amount of uh, aggregate produced. I think it's something like 80 million tons a year. Well, or one of like the that. Well, one of the bigger states in the country, right? For aggregate. Well, certainly in the region, um, and I don't I don't know about the country as a whole, but certainly southern Oklahoma's proximity to Texas, where I don't know if you're aware of this, but they like to pave things down there, right? And <laughs> you, and build things. I've been to Houston. <laughs> yeah. I've, hashtag Houston, sprawl. I've seen it. Yeah. Houston means that I'm one day closer to you. Nice. There you go. All right. That's so a, that's that's Scott, George George Strait deep cuts. Yeah. So speaking of Texas, yeah, uh, Scott. Before you arrived, Trace was uh, regaling us with his 
um, theme song he wrote for Joe Dorman's gubernatorial campaign in 2014. <laughs> yeah, then maybe I can end with that. Yeah, we're gonna have <laughs> so, to. Be so back, that. so back to House back Bill to- 1404. The reason, so so it's interesting for a couple of reasons. A, it's a, it's a, it's a, it would be a tax measure. Now it's only a 51 vote measure in the House, simple majority, because it doesn't institute a new tax. It just authorizes a new tax at the county level, right? So then. A three county commissioners in a county could vote, or you know, two of them could do it, to put this to a public vote in the county, or the citizens of the county could have a petition initiative, and I think it's five percent of the registered voters in the county yeah. they could call up for an election for this. The money would be required to be used for uh, construction of roads and bridges because part of the concern in places where there are there's major aggregate production is you have tons of trucks. Um, you know, uh, running over roads, and that currently there's no tax on on mining uh, in the state of Oklahoma, which is an interesting uh, thing when you think about it, because the argument that Representative J.J. Humphrey and others who support this measure um, would, would make is that, well, we have a gross production tax on the production of oil and gas. Um, why do we not have this a finite resource? It's not renewable. Um, that They would say the same thing about um, rock, sand, all those, all those sorts of things. The other interesting part is the n- main person, other than J.J. Humphrey, um, who I quoted as using the word bumfuzzled. Uh, it's the second bumfuzzled uh, in, in a story I've ever had, so that's pretty good. And then he used the word, he used the phrase monkey stomp. Yeah, uh, we, we talked about times. that. Now, <laughs> which fortunately does not have racial connotations. I was really actually kind of concerned about that. I think everybody was like, oh gosh. Yeah. But, um, the other main person who supports this legislation is, do you have a guest, Scott? It is the Speaker of the House. There you go. It's the Speaker of the House, Charles McCall, House District 22, Toka County. Um, it's a major issue down there. There's a bunch of other things that they're actually working on, some some water, uh, some some regulations relating to uh, mining as it relates to the Ar- Arbuckle-Simpson Aquifer, which is the state's only uh, sole source uh, natural, aquifer. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's the it provides drinking water for the the community of Durant, and you know is very important to that part of the state. Anyway, the just the the bill did pass by the way, sixty eight twenty five passed right. off the floor, Move. so it has been engrossed into the Senate. So yep. it so the question is whether it gets a hearing in the Senate, and um, you know I asked Senator Treat about it, and you know I, I think he's got some concerns about it. Um, the state chamber has it listed on their job killers. Uh, Bill, you know, certainly Delisi and, and companies like that are, are concerned about it as it would, you know, potentially, uh, in their view, make, you know, Oklahoma aggregates less uh, profitable, if you will, or less less economically viable for the jobs that they produce, which are important jobs, certainly in those communities. But the thing, but so that's interesting. But the main thing that I know we're going to take up the whole 10 minutes here with this. The main thing I think is interesting about it is that it speaks to a bigger structural issue in the state of Oklahoma that a lot of people talk about, but we really have not had any movement on and that people hope maybe this new legislature, as people start to understand how the budgeting process works, will figure out. Uh, the bill says that if, if a, an aggregate mine is within the municipal bounds uh, in the county as well, then the county and the municipality would split this revenue 50%. Right. right. Currently in the state of Oklahoma— municipalities are funded how? Like, what's the main revenue Sales source? tax. Sales tax. Yeah, yeah. And that's pretty much it. There's really not other revenue that a municipality can have. So in Oklahoma City, well, that's fine. You know, we get a lot of, we're Crossroads of America. We get a lot of people come in. People drive from rural communities. They come in here. They come in for the weekend. You know, that's great. 
But if you're a smaller community in rural Oklahoma, and you might have one strip of, of Main Street that has a you know a cafe and you know mm-hmm. hardware store, and you've got a couple gas stations and a you know another shop on the outside. How do you have enough sales tax right. to functionally run your, your municipality, much less do new things? You can't bond. Uh, you uh, let me rephrase that. You can't use property tax. Um, bonding through the county. Mm-hmm. Now you can have school district um, elements as well, but you you can't do a lot of the things that a bigger community can do. So this, while it's very small and why it would be county by county option, um, and it would only really be an option for counties that have major aggregate production, it it falls in that debate of how do we need to restructure the tax base and the tax system in Oklahoma to allow more flexibility in rural communities. And that's so, so that's the big reveal, play your music. That's why I think it's really the most, to me, it's the most interesting bill in the session for, for different, you know, reasons. A, the speaker's promoting a tax bill. Right. But, but two, it, it's a tax bill that actually would be sort of uncharted territory for the state of Oklahoma in 2019. Well, and it's a tax bill that's, it's, it's interesting because it's a tax bill that's not a tax bill, right? Like, it's not a tax increase. It just gives these, municipalities these counties the authority to raise the tax if right. they choose to right, right? right. Um, we're not raising it for you but you can raise it if you'd like right. well and it gives well, you the, and, the authority to say this is our natural resource here in this county right, right. and we know that in a hundred years or whenever it's gone it there will be no more right it's interesting to me because it is also an example of like um how like reasoning that you know i think they would say you know, I think the speaker and representative Humphrey would say, you know, this is an example of like local control, right? It's their natural resource. If they want, if they want to tax it, they should have the ability to do that. And that's fine. Um, but then you, you try to apply that same logic to other issues. Um, like for instance, if a municipality wants to raise the minimum wage and the legislature has no, no way, problem right. saying, absolutely not. Right. You or, can't do or that. Or right? plastic bags, you know, right. would you want to make a change in plastic right. cutlery and, or whatever? And, you know? and there's another bill that passed uh, off the floor this week uh, that is just, <laughs> just like blows my mind. Um, that is, oh yes, it is 315. Well, well, what's the bill? Tell us real quick. Uh, so us. this is the bill. This is the, it's, it's Medicaid expansion. We passed Medicaid oh, expansion. Oh, the county level week. Medicaid expansion. Did, you, did, did you not hear? Now, was this the HJR in the House 1017? So this is the bill that says that counties and municipalities can form Medicare oh, like right. health expansion districts. Yeah. So they can say like Oklahoma County and Cleveland County are going to get together and form a healthcare district. And that healthcare district can expand Medicaid and like apply for a federal funding and raise taxes without the rest of the state having to do it. And it's a terrible, terrible idea. But the county has to raise the match. And then they have to go through the state to apply for a waiver for, for the waiver that they probably won't get. No, unless all 77 counties got together, in which case, why didn't we just do it at the state well, level? Well, pot- right. and potentially, I mentioned the wrong bill number. The one I was talking about potentially plays into that. It reallocates the new tobacco settlement money. Yeah. T set right. hates it. And, you know, yeah. Uh, anyway, they do. Let's call, ahead. yeah, let's call Joe Hyde. Um, so, see what? if we can ask him if he knows what's in my mouth. <laughs> so, the. <laughs> He won't hear this. He'll hear this. Joe. Yes. Hey, Joe. It's Andy. How are you? Hey, Andy. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? I can. Okay, good. Super. So uh, it's me and uh, Scott Melson is here. Who He just stepped away, but he'll be right back. And then Trace Savage from Nondoc is also joining us today. Joe, how are you, okay, sir? Very good. Just fine. Good thing, Trace. 
good I'm hearing from you <laughs> yeah absolutely i i uh I'm, we have whiskey in one hand and i have a cigar in the other hand so this is a great podcast <laughs> He's just, well, I just have coffee, so hey, you're, you're one up on there me. There you go. He's just waving it around. Right, uh, it's not lit. I just want to be clear. I just It's a prop. Yeah. you gotta, you got to join no, us in person next time. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll light it outside later, but I, you know, as of now. you you got to join us in person next time, and you can have whiskey instead of coffee. Yeah. And cigars. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, thanks for joining us. We wanted to talk to you about Sunshine Week. So I, we, we mentioned it last okay. week on the podcast. Um, and, and you as uh, as president of FOI, um, tell us a little bit about what Sunshine Week is and why it's important. Well, Sunshine Week is a national effort by the uh, American Society of Newspaper Editors along with uh, the, the um, Committee uh, uh, for the Freedom of Information or to Protect Journalists. I, I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what that name is at this point, but uh, both have have come together to encourage news organizations uh, across this country uh, to promote and advocate for um, open meetings and open records and First Amendment rights. And Sunshine Week means shining the light on uh, the darkness that sometimes government gives us and to continue our watchdog role of watching closely the government and its role uh, in serving the public. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What, what year did Oklahoma pass our open records and open meeting acts? Do you know? It's actually a really good question. (laughs) I'm not an expert in exactly when this was passed, but it's, it's been for a long period of time. I, I, I think even before Turpin's time as attorney general, hmm. uh, there were um, uh, open record, records and open meetings act. It's been uh, basically over time that it's been uh, amended, uh, added to, uh, and uh, through different attorneys generals um, uh, through time. Uh, Drew Edmondson, for example, when he was attorney general, was a, a, a huge advocate of open meetings and open records and open government in general uh, as well and, and some supported it tremendously. Um, uh, we're excited that uh, Attorney General Mike Hunter is also starting to work with us to begin um, helping to train uh, government officials on what they should be thinking about with open records and open meetings. We entered uh, basically an agreement with the uh, State Society for Professional Journalists here recently uh, to do that. And that training will start uh, later this year in association with the uh, Oklahoma Press Association. Right. Yeah. yeah, they've been, and I think they've been doing that for, I went to one of their um, county government, uh, municipal government trainings, uh, I think a year ago or so. And I think they were doing it with yeah. OPA. But that's cool that SPJ is involved too, uh, Joe. If I can put you on the spot, I have a. Um, I've been telling people this for a little while, and I, I, I'll, since Andy and you are here, I'll give you uh, a, a small tweak to the Open Records Act that I think would be valuable at certain points. Um, and it, I, I really encountered it when uh, we for a project that we actually never um, got completed because we kept getting stonewalled by different school districts. We put in a request 
uh, with about 35 school districts in the metro area for um, the bond advisement contracts that they'd had for the last 10 years. Um, so basically, when a when a district uh, proposes a school bond, there's about three co- there's two companies and then there's a state um, entity that they can uh, you know contract with to do all of the paperwork yeah. and all of everything that needs to be done for that. So we put in a request for all these uh, contracts, and some school districts sent them back. Um, s- several school districts um, just base a-, a either ignored the requests in general or attempted to. Uh, require us to pay copying fees as is allowed under the Open Records Act um, for of up to like I think I think it's authorized either twenty five or fifty cents a page. You guys mm-hmm. may know better than me, but uh, they tried to make us pay these fees. Well, we're talking about you know one hundred and twenty page document maybe or something like that, and they might have five of them. And so some of these were you know here's you pay seventy five dollars you can get this information, pay a hundred dollars you can get this information, you know whatever it is. And it dawned on me that in 20, this was back in 2018, I guess it was, um, but in, certainly in this day and age, I, I think it would be beneficial to have a, a, a part in the statute that said that if a document exists in a digital format and the requester requests it in the digital format, it must be provided in the digital format. Because what some organiza- what some entities will do is if they don't really want to provide the information, and it is a way to make some money off of it. Yeah. They can require you to come pay that fee for the paper that is cost. And so I just think it's ridiculous that in this day and age, well, you, we know you have a PDF of this. Can you not provide us that PDF? Charge us $2 for the flash drive or whatever nonsense you know decision you're going to make. But as opposed to being able to hide from the idea that, well, as a small media organization, I can't go spend $100 at 35 different school districts. Right. So there's my there's my two cents. I think that's a great idea. I mean, and you know, in the medical field, we run into the same issue with uh, with people's medical records. I had a patient this week, and we got his records from two different facilities on a on a CD ROM, and it occurred to us very quickly that about half of our computers don't even have CD drives anymore, and so now we have to. I'm afraid we're gonna have to print them out so that we can then scan them in because our system is a little antiquated. But I was like, there's there has got to be a better way in this day and age where I can share documents with people across the globe very easily, surely we can exchange documents between state agencies. In fact, the records were coming from DOC, so it was a state agency that we could share them more easily. And I think those kind of common sense um, tweaks to the law would, would, would make the state effectively more transparent. You mean after a decade, we haven't reached tier three meaningful use in, in, no, uh, no in indeed. electronic medical records? I'm shocked. <laughs> Well, and it's- no, no, we haven't. And I think you're exactly right. I think, you know, we're in a technology age and yet we're still at the point where we can't provide digital records. Uh, it, it seems to me that um, I, and I, I think, you know, with the governor, what the governor said, said he wants to be more transparent and he is a business owner himself and obviously is attuned to the technology of today, and certainly I would hope that that would some, be something he would support. Right. I think something that's going to be really interesting, and, and I don't want to tip my hand too much here, but um, published a story today on the uh, new budget office, essentially, that the, both the House and Senate Republican leadership want to, uh, want to pursue, and they're both moving their own versions of bills, and we'll see what ultimately gets done. I think a deal gets done on it. 
Um, but it would create this new budget office under the Legislative Services Bureau, and they would have subpoena power and would even have the ability to request uh, quote-unquote confidential um, agency documents so that they could try to get you know a handle on, on the finances of these state agencies and everything. And as a result, it would not be that eight, the, the new budget office would not be covered under the Open Records Act, you know, which is fine for me. I mean, I, I don't mind that. But what I think will be interesting is it has opened a new ability for me to go to each individual agency and say, I would like a copy of every document you provided to the new budget office. So right. that'll be kind of an interesting deal. I have an issue with yeah. with that. I didn't see the, the clause that would exempt them from. Well, just because they would, it would be under the legislature. Well, I have an issue with that. As, as Trace we, and I have we've discussed talked about this, that. Yeah. We have slightly different opinions, and and so we could go down that road if you want. But <laughs> so you're so you're Trace, uh, you're cool with the legislature being exempt from open records. That's interesting. Yeah, I I am, um, because I think, well, two things. I think I would make my argument would have two things. One. And this is the same issue that the Ethics Commission has dealt with, with the, the cooling off period and who can and can't be lobbyists. If you look at other states, um, pe- people will make workarounds, right? People just won't text anymore. They'll just only call. People will, um, you know, people who have the big staff and, and power and everything like that will will find a way around those sorts of things. But then I think if we just sort of give a blanket, um, you know, a, a, a lawmakers are totally covered under the Open Records Act. I think it, I think there's two potential unintended consequences. One of them is very personal. One of them is it would really limit my ability to do some of the things I'm able to do if all of my communications with members of the legislature in, in all parties were now suddenly could be open records, right? Because it's not just media they get to request records it's the public right. sure, it's political can, right. consultants yeah. it's it's uh it's other members of the legislature right so let's say a lawmaker gives me a tip on something that's happening internally in a caucus which happens a fair amount of times right now suddenly all the communications that that lawmaker you know suddenly somebody if they wanted to could could request any communications sent to all of my emails my cell phone number, anything like that, to try to ferret out who was the source, who was the leak on this, right? They could so, do that even though you're not a member of the legislature. Correct, because my outgoing communications as a state employee, let's just imagine I'm a state employee or right. let's imagine I'm a legislator. Sure. All of my communications with anyone related to my job are public, would be public records under the Open Records Act. Even if it's like a text that you sent correct. from your personal cell phone, correct. you're not using state resources. Correct. If yeah, even if it's even if it's in the furtherance of your duty, uh, then it's a public record, which it, which which is good, right? Because that was the Fallon administration had a big problem. They were trying to to move around. Don Arms had that whole deal where, well, it's my private cell phone, so I shouldn't. I think Edmondson was the attorney general who made the big ruling back in two thousand eight mm-hmm. or two thousand seven, something like that, um, which was that. If it's in the furtherance of your job, it doesn't matter which number you use. It doesn't matter which email address you use if it's about your job. So then at that point, extrapolate that further. A lawmaker's job then would mean any communication with anybody in their district and conceivably out of their district. Yeah, but I think that's – I'm going to interrupt you on purpose because sure. um, I feel like that is a, a, an ex- 
that's assuming that the that the law would be passed to include everything. I think there are ways to craft the law that would have specific exclusions. Like we don't want to, we don't, I mean, no one wants to expose like individual constituents, private information about their, their brother-in-law's criminal history or medical history, those kind of things. I think there, and those carve outs exist in, in open records laws across the country already. Well, yeah, but I think that it, it, Joe would probably, and I don't let Joe, I'll let you chime in here after I say this, but the carve outs in, in open records laws are actually sometimes the most, uh, ob- obfuscating component of the Over Records Act. Is it Obfusc- obfuscatory? Obfuscatory? Yeah. Yes. yeah, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so Joe, go, go ahead and get, you know, that, that, that's, well, that's why I think it saying, needs to be I, delicate. Well, and, and delicate in dealing with private individuals, yes. Uh, but the trouble with it, what's happening that we don't know of because they are exempt from that? Uh, the Open Records and Open Meetings Act. And I, I think that's something we have to think about. Uh, you, you know, I think there could be exemptions for private individuals. Uh, but as far as government business is concerned, and they're conducting government business, you know, how can we trust a legislature that doesn't, that exempts itself from an act and laws that it requires its state agencies to follow? Um, I, I just I'm I'm very skeptical of letting the legislature get away uh, with exempting itself from something that we uh, as a public sometimes need to know. And uh, I'm skeptical uh, of, of anything that would would cause more secrecy instead of more openness. Uh, hey, Joe, this is Scott Melson. Um I think that my my inclination is to 100% agree with you. But I do, just to play devil's advocate here for a minute, I do wonder, I mean, we're kind of operating from the presumption, right? Like that sunlight is the, right? Sunlight's the best disinfectant and that the best government always happens in the open. But particularly in an era that is as partisan, you know, especially nationally, but also here locally as it is now, is that presumption always true, right? Like, do you think it's more like, for instance, if there's a committee that's trying to figure out whether or not Oklahoma is going to do, you know, so like a special, the House creates a special committee to try and figure out Medicaid expansion. And some people have immense political pressure to be in favor of it. Some people have immense political pressure to come out against it. If they can negotiate with each other and come up with something that they can support, you know, with unanimity, and they can do that behind closed doors and come out and say, this is what we came up with. You know, there's a chance that maybe you never see a deal like that. If the negotiations are happening like in public, do you see what I mean? But the trouble with it, you can find examples all the time. You can find examples of when, yeah, maybe, maybe they should be able to be behind closed doors. Uh, but, but I truly believe there are more examples where they should be in, in public view and the public has a right to know what's going on. And I, I just really, really have a problem with saying, ah, oh, we let them get away with this, but they, what else can they get away with? Sure, uh, right. What other kind of hearings can they have behind closed doors that the public should hold? I mean, you know, the, the, the concept of partisan politics, he says, you're, you're correct. I mean, polarization exists in our society, but to me, that tells me we should be even more open. 
but you should, know, the but public should, should know what's going on. And, and that's, I think that, and, and even even though I'm expressing caution in this, I 100% agree with you. I mean, that's I wouldn't get up and go to work, you know, every day if I didn't agree with that. But, the, yeah. but here's a question: Should should the legislature be able to have caucuses that are private? That's a really good question. I um, that's a good question because that um, because if they were if they were subject to the Open Meetings Act under just the blanket authority that other agencies are, they they wouldn't be able to have a private caucus like that, right? Right, do, Joe. Do you know in other states um, that have more rigorous open meeting act rules, are caucuses exempt or are those subject to the? To the no, I, I I don't have any knowledge of that. We we did a study on actually John Wood. Uh, who's on our board, FOI Oklahoma, did an extensive study on that. So he he probably would have more knowledge of that. He's a professor at the University of Central Oklahoma uh, who has a lot of background. I know that Missouri uh, last year passed a, a new law that uh, removed that exemption, the new Sunshine Law uh, as well. I don't think a lot of states... Um, uh, exempt their legislatures or, or don't exempt their legislatures. Uh, do you know, Andy? I don't know. I'm I'm tweeting at Joey Senate right now as well because I feel like he probably has an idea about this. Loop him in on the phone, anyway. <laughs> but well, I, I mean, and this is my point: is I think that if if there were a movement to to make some headway uh, toward having a little more information from from lawmakers. Um, under the Open Records Act, I think it. I think it needs to be uh, very calculated and 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 very crafted in a way that that doesn't limit the ability for constituents to get information yeah. back from their lawmakers. Because as well, it, you, it, could, you could put in about the private communications between. Uh, a citizen and his or her legislator. I'm not. I'm not an attorney, but I'm not sure that that's constitutional, right? I mean, are you? It, it, yeah. We have equal protection under the law. So if I'm a lobbyist, and you're saying that my communications with this lawmaker are open to public record, are open to the Open Records Act, but Scotts, because he's not a registered lobbyist, are not open to public record under the Open Records Act. I'm not sure that that's constitutional, right? It so would be I, if we well, changed the Constitution. Talking, okay, Constitution, <laughs> one thing, privacy is not protected in the Constitution. But there are legal uh, ramifications for violating people's privacy. I think you're comparison, uh, comparing a lobbyist with an average citizen who's just asking his, his legislature for help on a particular issue. Is that the same? I, I think that a First Amendment lawyer would, would be able to craft an argument that it's it's rooted in the same idea, right? The difference being a lobbyist, exactly. the reason you have to register as a lobbyist is because you're being paid, right? I, I can go up there, if I were a private citizen mm-hmm. and I was not paid by anybody, I can go up there and advocate all day long. I can be a, I mean, this is what the Ethics Commission was trying to do, right? They right. were trying to say that a, a group of yeah. teachers get together from Norman Public Schools and go up there, and now they if they hand out a flyer— it has to have they they had a flyer that represent you know right, that now right. suddenly we have to disclose all this stuff so i think that i think it's it's a complicated it's it's certainly above my head but that's why i think it has to be proceeded with much caution because i i could be 
the it's like yes okay i know it's like pornography right like i know a lobbyist when i see one right <laughs> like they wear a suit and they're friendly to everybody and they're super likable because that's what they do right right but, but at the same well, time at the end of the what would constitute a lobbyist a well, constitute lobbyist is someone who's paid to advocate for a certain entity correct sure but what if but what if i'm not paid and i just work in a certain ent- entity and i go up and tell my story about my company you know, yeah. am I, is that, do I, am I required to be a... Well, isn't that yeah. a difference, though? I mean, aren't you well, acting as a private citizen? Well, I, I think there's a difference between a paid lobbyist and someone who just advocates for something uh, for a cause. I, I agree, with, I agree with you. I agree with you there's that difference, and that's the difference that the Ethics Commission is already, it's a little hazy, and sometimes they bring the hammer down yeah. on people and sometimes they don't. But what we're talking about, then, is crafting a statute that treats these two people differently. And that's where I think there's constitutional concern. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, Joe, I know that you need to get to another meeting and this is uh, certainly a robust conversation. I'd love to, to continue this in another episode. Yeah, Joe, can we can we have you back? Maybe we can get you here in person, and we'll we'll pour you some whiskey. Sure. I'm just gonna sit back yeah, and I'd watch the ping pong here. And, and, it's, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to t- come back and talk about it and such. Uh, I do want to clarify real quickly uh, the questions you asked earlier. It's the 10th anniversary of Sunshine Week, um, uh, and uh, actually it's the 13th anniversary of Sunshine Week. It actually started in 2015. And it's the reporters committee uh, that's ah. behind it. Uh, but you, but you see a lot of statewide organizations that um, uh, get behind it, um, want more of it. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't talk about uh, the recent uh, uh, agreement and passage of the hiring and firing of five state major agency heads by the governor, because we, that surely is a transparency issue these days. It is a big deal. We talked about that a lot last week, um, and we, I think it was up to Scott and I, we would have a three-hour episode every week right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to present all sides adequately, and so we, uh, we appreciate um, folks like you and like Trace that um, are journalists and, and take the time to really write some of that in, in long form. I do want to throw out there as we're kind of winding up with our Sunshine Week discussion, uh, Paul Monies, who's over at uh, Oklahoma Watch, he tweeted today, um, Oklahoma Watch, nonprofit journalism that's here in Oklahoma, one of the great organizations we have uh, doing uh, investigative work on behalf of the people. Um, they have an article today talking about several stories they've done over the last year, all of which really depended on access to open records in order to for sourcing and for publishing so if you want to know like how does this whole question about what is open record like what is it how does it impact you like does this affect the kind of news you get in your daily life uh, it absolutely does and if you want to see that practi- practically uh, go over to uh, Oklahoma watch and uh, check that check out that piece Joe's a important board member over there yeah Joe is the Joe you're the president of uh, Oklahoma watch right or are you just on the board? Well, I'm, I'm chair of the board. Chair of the board. Uh, there yes. we go. Yes. I didn't, chair, I, chair I didn't and, even know that. And, and Paul is an outstanding uh, data journalist, and, and uh, he knows more in the back of his head than, than I would ever know. So, and, uh, uh, P. Money's. Yeah. Sorry, and that's what his Paul, name is. Paul's a past president Paul of Money's FOI. Board, those two are outstanding data journalists. And, and, you know, Joe's went on to the Center for Public Integrity, uh, now it's a big loss for the state to have someone of that uh, worth 
uh, transferring over to Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. But uh, hopefully he'll still still do some work in Oklahoma. Yeah. Joe, thanks for joining us today. We'll have you back on soon, okay? Thank you. I, I look forward to and And again, um, uh, I keep pushing for those open records and open meetings. And I think it's most important when you talk at the community level and the school board level and, and areas such as that. Um, you know, people people need to know how their tax dollars are working and they need to know it and open and who is doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, remember my proposal on the, uh, digit, if it's, if it exists digitally, they should be required to provide it digitally. That, and that, and that, that's that, an excellent, excellent proposal. I, I, I would agree with you. Thank All you, right. Joe. Joe, have a good day. Thank you. Mm, bye-bye. bye-bye. All right. Well, thanks for, to Joe Height for joining us by phone. You're out of whiskey. Do we have the pause? Um, well, we've only got about uh, five minutes left, so you got to drink yours faster. Oh, oh I was, I'm was i savoring. He's uh, been chewing on his cigar. Yeah. That's true, yeah. Yeah, you see? Well, yeah. boys. <laughs> Somebody tell me the trash man's here. The trash man's here. Tell him we don't want any. Uh, <laughs> see? There it is. Groucho Marks. Where's the rim shot? <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Every time I... <laughs> You've got, every, you need to have that, like, at the ready. Well, I was ready for a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's a. There it is. There you go. There, there you go. There it is. Uh, so you uh, have sound effects, so I don't have to do an actual spit take here. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have a spit take, but I've got plenty of other sound effects. Um, Scott, did you have any other any other news articles this week? Uh, I you know I didn't really have I, I didn't know like it's this was a t- this was a tough week. Um, no, no is the answer. No is the answer. This was a tough week, not because nothing happened, but because like. The, I mean, there were so Everything many things happened. that happened in the last 48 hours. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you and I talked about this, that, that, and I think we talked about this last week, that our Twitter feeds were just like a long list of e-capital trying to be like, quorum call, vote on this, pass, vote on this, yes. pass, like just one after another. And I saw Sean Ashley's, his morning, if you don't know, like around 6 a.m. I think his phone melted. Yeah, around <laughs> 6 a.m. Um, he puts out a, a really great thread every morning. That usually kind of ends in a joke or something. He was, I, he was attacked by raccoons on Thursday, Sean. If you're listening, I, you'll know what I'm talking about. He so he, much better things. He always to do. starts. He always starts off saying, uh, "Good morning, early birds," and you know you're an early bird if you get up, you check your Twitter, and it's not there. Or yet. you know it was a good night if you're going to bed and you, <laughs> and see, you, see, and you his, see Sean Ashley. But no, there was like I think I think what you're going to reference, Andy, is that his thread this morning. Like so, we started the session with like almost three thousand bills. Mm-hmm. It had been whittled down to a thousand by the beginning of last week after committee deadline. A thousand ish. Now we're down to like nine forty, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my goals for next week, um, yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> right, <laughs> we still have nine forty. Right. Um, one of my goals for next week is there. There were several things that happened of consequence this week. Um, I my hope is that next week we can spend some time kind of delving into those more specifically mm-hmm. um, once we've learned a little bit more. One of the things that happens in deadline week is there's like so much stuff going on. They're passing. 60 and 70 bills a day probably you know maybe 20 percent of them will have title on so like 80 percent of them don't matter and it takes time to kind of go through and 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 see what still has title you know what are the bills that are of consequence kind of where are they heading fortunately for us and anyone who follows us closely it looks like next week is going to be pretty light they're only meeting for three days very few committee meetings yeah lots of uh lots of uh lots of work for leadership next week to assign bills to committees um, and then we'll pick it up here in about 10 days, uh, hit the ground running. Yeah. So here's my proposal for next week um, is that we just have next week be 
kind of an update, right? It is spring break next week. Trace is exactly correct. So next week um, in our episode, we'll give like maybe a more comprehensive update of kind of where we're at in the session. Um, And then in two weeks, um, we're going to have an episode all about independent redistricting. So um, we have an intern this semester. We're we're totes official. Exciting. She's uh, at Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee. Hashtag hashtag fancy. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Megan. Her name's fancy? Oh, uh, that's right. Okay. I got you. We're fancy because we have an intern. That's the wrong. You got to sing the Reba song. That's a good song also. I'll do Reba. I've listened to some Dolly Parton this week. She's great. Yeah. Have you heard her version of Stairway to Heaven? Uh, yes, actually. It's been a minute, but yes, yeah. I have. I'm going to listen to that on the way pretty, home. Pretty good. But, uh, um, so yeah, in two weeks, uh, that'll be the 29th. Um, I believe we're going to have uh, going to have our intern, Megan, join us, as well as several of her um, advocacy classmates are going to come. We're going to have an audience, Scott, in the on the couch here. I was like, great, we got a couch now. You can come and, and hang out. Uh, and so we'll talk about independent redistricting. Um, I'm going to request that... Uh, Mr. Gaddy, join us as well. We'll see if we can get him in studio, or at least on the phone. Interesting. It'll be fun. All about redistricting. Absolutely. Megan said she found an online game where you can you can redistrict your own like fictitious uh, state or county, and she said it was really hard to try to meet the criteria. And I was like, that's right. Also, she listened to the 538 series on gerrymandering, and that's good intern work right there. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, God, 538. It's our like, like, we aspire to 538. If anybody from 538 listens, we love you. They don't. Hey, and if anybody uh, wants to do homework before your next episode and wants to read through Senate Bill 362, which would reform the school funding formula for the state of Oklahoma, and explain to me how the heck it does that, uh, that would be terrific. It's kind of complicated. Do you have to know how the funding formula works before you can read the bill about how it changes? Um, It would probably help because but if, i think you can because uh, if you do i can tell you i am not the person okay, to read the bill. there you go yeah uh, you said senate bill 362 362 there you go uh senator stanislavski i actually plan to go talk to him uh monday uh oh. and try to get a little more into it but it was uh brain meltingly confusing you nice. guys want an update from the missouri state legislature do I? <laughs> we'll end on uh, this note. Go ahead. There's a, a lawmaker in uh, Missouri has proposed a bill that would require everyone who lives in Missouri who is over the age of 18 to purchase and own an AR-15. Um, but it's okay because you get a tax credit for the purchase price. So, you know. Do you get an exemption? If you Can you file for an exemption? That's a, I haven't read the bill text, but that's a, that's a great question. That's pretty good. What, what if you buy two or three? Do you get, is it just one or can I get a credit for several? Uh, oh God, I don't even, I don't know. I have, I've got eight children. What do I, they all need firearms as well. Yeah, but they gotta be over 18. There's something about carrying this giant cigar around that makes me feel less like I need to compensate for anything. So I, I maybe we should just ship him a box of, uh. Um, a box JR's of Cubans. Yeah. Really, we can nip this in the bud. Yeah. And, and with that, limitada. With that, let's say uh, thank you so much uh, to Trey Savage from Nondoc. If you guys don't read Nondoc, make sure you get over there and check it out. If you don't subscribe and support them, make sure you do that too. Another great example of uh, independent local journalism, who is certainly one of the ways we stay informed with what's happening uh, all around the city, and certainly at Twenty Third Lincoln. That's very true. Thanks for being here, Trace. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thanks to uh, Joe Height for joining us by phone earlier. Scott, thank you. 
Always. Yeah. My name is Andy Moore. Um, Don't forget to rate and subscribe to Let's Pod This on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere else you can rate or subscribe. We would appreciate it. Tell your friends. Also, um, very important, on May 4th, we are having an adult prom at 21C Museum Hotel here in Oklahoma City. Um, It is at letsfixthisok.org slash prom. Uh, we would love to have you there. This is our spring fundraiser. This is hopefully going to be our, our annual fundraiser, kind of a big deal. Um, a big party, not political at all. Just come on and uh, put on a fancy clothes and come hang out with us. Dance a little bit. Um, tickets available online again. Let's fix this okay.org slash prom. Maybe an award for the best promposal. Prom king. Have you asked your wife yet, Scott? I have. I asked mine. She told me she'd think about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way you can. And remember, decisions are made by those who show up. Have a great week. You have a lighter? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>